show, we are doing a roundtable with uh, Brent and Don from the Paranormal Portal. Uh, if you get a chance, you're on iTunes, you're listening to this on your podcast player, definitely check out the Paranormal Portal with uh, Brent and Don. They also do a live show every night on YouTube, the Paranormal Portal. Go over there and check it out. What's going on, Brent and Don? How are you guys? Yeah, I'm good. How are you, Don? How are you? Hey, are you forgetting somebody? <laughs> no, this is going perfectly. We all, yeah, this is going great. We also have. Uh, I was going to do it afterwards. Uh, we also have Tony Merkel from the uh, Confessionals. What's going on, Tony? I'm doing fine. <laughs> what? <laughs> no, I, I thought we'd do a roundtable just to kind of talk about, uh, you know, stuff that we normally don't talk about on shows. Brent or Don, if you guys would kind of tell the audience about the paranormal, kind of what's your show about uh, as far as if they go over there and check it out on the podcast. You know, you're going to check out uh, Paranormal Portal. You're going to get a full serving of a buffet of paranormal. Um, we serve everything up hot and fresh, of course. It's all about uh, ghosts. Um, we do UFOs. We do, you know, aliens, abductions. We do um, uh, we do cryptids like Bigfoot and Dogman. And also, we do things like time slips, Mandela effects. I mean, we really try to cover the whole deal. Um, it, and it's just, there's so much to work with that it's really a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, we got a lot of variety and, uh, we've had some really amazing guests and a lot of great conversations. Um, it's, it's hopefully a good time. So I hope if you guys check it out, you'll enjoy it. But, uh, it's something we love doing and take a lot of pride in. Yeah. You guys do a great job. And I know on YouTube, I, I like the, the live show that you guys do. I actually like, I actually like the podcast better than the YouTube, but, and you know, I don't mean that as in a bad no. way. I just like the you know, I'm more of a podcast guy than I am a YouTube guy, but you guys do a good show, good job on that show every night. Um, I got an interesting question. Nyla from my website, um, I, I posed out there if it, they wanted to ask questions or whatever. And uh, Nyla says, which story or experience creeped each of you out the most? I'll start with Tony, um, unless you want to think about it, Tony. What's the one story or experience that creeped you out the most? Uh, I don't really get creeped out. A whole lot. And that's not a tough guy thing. It's just I listening to so many of the stories and stuff, it just doesn't really creep me out a whole lot. I think uh, for me, it would be more um, head scratching and uh, afterwards just walking away from an interview saying, what the heck was that? And that would be definitely uh, episode 122, Secret Military Enochian Technology. Mm-hmm. Uh, talking to Charles, uh, Charlie, he he was in the military, and uh, he seemed to be groomed for a certain type of job that he wasn't even aware that he's being groomed for. And uh, he goes into this story of how he was sent into an unspecified location to recover a downed aircraft, and he describes the aircraft that he came across. And there are a lot of um, a lot of things in that interview that, after I was done with the interview, I looked into, and it checked out. And some of the things that I discovered when looking into it, like he described the the aircraft that they came across. He said the outside looked like it was a checkered board. And the, uh, the, when you touched it, it was cold to the touch. But like everything outside, it was completely really hot. Like it was hot outside, but this craft was really cold to the touch. And uh, the checkerboard itself has a lot of uh, occultian ties to. And uh, when he got inside and he's trying to recover, his job was to recover data from the uh, computer system. 
And uh, he came across a language that he never saw before. And he started looking through his manual trying to decipher what the language was. And one of the scientists that was with him kind of firmly puts his hand on the book. And it's like, you're not going to find it in there. And he's like, what do you mean? And he's like, that's Enochian language. He, he said, just get your stuff done so we can get out of here. And uh, they, they got their stuff done. They got out of there. And then the way back to the ship, ship they experienced time lapse and on the ship they experienced time lapse it was a real trippy episode so uh, i think that was the one that really kind of left me in awe i was just like what the heck did i just listen to yeah that could have been a movie that that show could be a, a movie in itself i mean it was uh what was that what you said 122 yeah 122 yeah what about you don what's the uh what's the story or experience that creeped you out the most either on the show or off the show well, you know, I got to say, you know, I'm, I've not really – I'm kind of like the skeptical believer on Paranormal Portal. Um, you know, I, I don't take anything for granted. I, you know, I, I go eyes open. I have a very open mind though and I've not really ever to my knowledge had an experience of any type really. Um, and I think that has to do with a lot of my upbringing as a child. Um, but you know, there was one time and it was just recently, maybe two, two months ago, maybe three months ago, we're in here doing a show and, uh, oh, well, actually there's two, uh, we were in here doing a show, um, two or three months ago and, um, our ghost box went off. Cause you guys know, we, we have a ghost app on the computer and I just all of a sudden got the chills and all the hair on my body, including my beard just stood right up. And, uh, it was just, I just got this, like this energy, just like walk through me. And, uh, Brent looks over at the ghost box and goes, yeah, it was like standing right behind you, if not right on you. And, you know, it was just that, that, that weird chill of, you know, something just happened, uh, an electrical shift or, or something like that. And it really kind of whacked me out a little bit, but I got to tell you the worst time, um, the worst, and, and I only have. I only have these really when I'm with Brent. <laughs> I think I, I think he's kind of a magnet for these kinds of things. But um, the the super blue blood moon in January of eighteen. Oh yeah. Uh, you know that was just we were getting ready. It was a Wednesday night. We were getting ready to do a show, and Brent's about to hit the go button. And then everything just crashes and Brent wasn't feeling good anyhow. He was, you know, he was, you know, just not feeling good. He was lethargic and, and just had this weird feeling and, and, uh, you know, going through him. And, and I'm the kind of person, I'm kind of an empath when it comes to that kind of thing. You know, it's like, if you're feeling bad, you know, it affects me. And I try to push it away and, and accept the fact that, you know, it's like, it's not my energy. It's not my problem. You know, uh, I'm here for you, bud, but I don't want to be with you. Right. You know, but everything went wrong. The stream went bad. The Skype went bad. I started breaking things. I, I got up and I knocked over a mic and I knocked over a projector. And I'm like, oh, my God, dude. And Brent just hit the stop button. And he just instantly, you know, it, it just instantly just hit us all at the, the wrong time. And we just couldn't go on with the show. Um, that was pretty weird. But those are really, honestly, the only experiences that have really, you know, tripped me out, you know. Um but there you have it, you know, but, but that means that, you know, I have an open mind when we talk about the things we talk about, um, you know, and I try to bring some reason to the table or some, you know, grounding, shall we say, um, you know, but I get beat up pretty well on the show, so it's okay, you know, <laughs> well, you know, Don, but, and so, you know, so that makes me a skeptical believer and I, I, I'll believe if I have the experience, but I haven't had many, if any experiences. So there you go. No, I get it. 
I get what you're saying. What about you, Brent? Is there any story or experience that really creeped you out? You know, I, I, I guess um, in many ways, I'm probably a lot like Tony in that, um, for the most part, the, the, I've been around paranormal stuff really uh, throughout my life. And for the most part, I really don't get scared or creeped out. Um, but there was one time, one ghost, uh, one, one yeah, haunting situation. Well, actually, there's two. There, <laughs> there's the one time when I believe I had a run in with a Sasquatch. And uh, I went over that when I was on your show, of course, Wes. But um, I, we were coming down, a friend of mine and I, were, I was 14, he was 15. We were coming down this ravine in a state forest. And uh, we stopped on this, this uh, dried up waterfall just to rest. And suddenly, like eight feet behind us and about two feet above us was this deep resonating growl. And uh, it, it, it like literally vibrated my whole body. I, I mean, it was, it, I, I felt it as much as I heard it. And, uh, you know, this is in Minnesota. And, and at that time, I had no context for what it could be. But I knew that the biggest thing we had was white-tailed deer. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, they don't growl. So um, I literally thought, what, I didn't know what was making that noise, but I was pretty confident. Like, I knew inside of my heart that I, I couldn't look because I didn't want to see what was going to kill me. I mean, it just really felt that ominous and that foreboding. And uh, um, we, my friend and I both froze. And I'm really glad that I had someone there with me because it'd be one of those head scratchers that I, you know, after a while you kind of wonder, did that really happen? Was that really what happened? Um, but, you know, he can verify that. And that's, that's what makes it cool. But um, we ended up just finally just taking off and running. And, and so many people say, oh, don't run, don't run. But it's like, you know, you have two choices. You have fight or flight. Well, I knew whatever made that noise was well beyond my scope of fight. You know, I just knew that that wasn't an option. So all we had left was f- flight. And so we, we ran out of there and we weren't pursued or anything. I mean, it really kept me out of the woods for a long time afterwards. And, and it was years and years and years later when I started like trying to learn about the Sasquatch and stuff. I found out they were in my area as well where I grew up. And uh, I started to find things that people attribute to them, as such as signs and stuff like that, and went out in those woods as, a, as an adult much later in my life. And sure enough, I could see some of the things that people have long attributed to Sasquatch. So I think the only thing that it could have been was a Sasquatch. But um, that really did scare me. I mean, I was terrified. But other than that, I think the only other time that I've gotten creeped out by something paranormal, and I, and I know you're probably uh, asking this question in terms of what we've covered on the show, but honestly, I, you know, I take, I don't really feel that creeped out mm-hmm. factor from the shows unless it has to do with kids. Mm-hmm. But uh, those those really creep me out because they're the, you know they're the, they can't defend themselves, they can't do anything, and sometimes they get targeted, and that's just a heartbreaker. But um, I think the, as far as a ghost story that that happened to me that freaked me out was uh, I was home alone. I was <laughs> I was married at that time as well, but not to the same person I'm married married to now. But uh, she would she she was working, and I came home early from my job, and I was like, oh, I can take a shower because every time I took a shower, it didn't matter what. She felt that was a perfect time to do dishes, which meant I got a cold shower. Um, and so I was like, yeah, I locked up the house, got in the shower, and I'm all lathered up and stuff. And uh, all of a sudden, the water went ice cold and i was just like what the hell's going on and uh i, I figured she must have come home and decided to do di- to do dishes because that's the way it always went but i got down and shut off the water and i'm still hearing water pouring and i'm like what's going on i opened the shower curtain and in the sink outside of the shower the hot water is just blasting and steam's coming up and now i know I, i've locked the door in there there's nobody in there with me but some something turned on that hot water to you know to make that uh, the shower water go ice cold 
And it just felt creepy, and I don't know what it is, but it's just being naked and having something <laughs> like that happen just makes it so much worse. Kind of vulnerable, in a very vulnerable position. Yeah, yeah exactly. You know, not that uh, not that my cotton T-shirt's going to stop a lot in, in terms of attacks, but I, I just feel better about it, you know. <laughs> so that's about it for me, I guess, off the top of my head. I think for me, it would probably be episode 419 with Anthony. I don't know if you guys remember that. The old woman, that, and she had him, like, these creatures in her home and they were her like her grandkids and uh, he tried to save one from a tree it was stuck in a tree he said it looked like a fat chubby kid and uh, did you guys ever hear that story no I know Tony did but uh, Brent and Don did you guys ever hear that episode 419 with Anthony please say no I don't I haven't Uh, (laughs) I'm pretty sure I haven't yeah it's a bizarre story and I, I remember um, you know, I was kind of on the fence whether to post it or not, but it's kind of one of those accounts. If you get a chance, check it out. Um, because it's one of those things to where if you read that encounter, you would call BS on it. If someone tried to tell you that encounter, you'd probably call BS on it. But when you hear Anthony tell it, you walk away and go, I don't know what happened to this guy. I mean, I, I believe this guy. I think what he's exactly what he says happened, happened. And, uh, you know, that. There's another one. I won't burn it up on this show, but um, there was a colonel that contacted me. He sent me a bunch of his military records, and it's a long story. I won't bore you guys with it, but um, and he lives in Australia now, and there's a certain reason why I didn't have him on the show. He's dying of cancer, and oh. so he's kind of loaded up on pain medicine, and and you know how the audience can be sometimes. They'll they'll hang people from the you know town square. You know, the, I can, and I don't want to put, bring him on the air and then people say, well, he was drinking or, you know, because yeah. he is heavily sedated on a lot of, he's coherent, but he's, uh, the reason why he told me this story, long story short, is in Vietnam, they had killed two giants. One was male, one was female. And he watched him tear apart kids. And it, it, I'll save it for another time, but that story creeped me out. But as far as the show goes, I think episode 419 is, uh, <laughs> what did you think about that, Tony? Episode 419. I really thoroughly enjoyed that episode. Very much. <laughs> I really thought his the whole encounter was fascinating. I really did. It's one of my favorite shows. Wow. I you know, can I add something here? Now, I, it's not an episode per se. I mean, I've had this, I guess, person, or not person, but entity, I guess, show up on a couple of different episodes. And uh, it, it's it's something that's depicted in Hollywood a lot. And I, I guess if something was going to freak me out, it would be um, that that character from the movie The Grudge, uh, the woman that like the girl that's crawling. You know, does it, you guys know what I'm talking about? Oh yeah, yeah. So like that idea. Like I've had a guy tell me that uh, I think it was in the back, in the back seat of his car. He looks in the rearview mirror and all he sees is this this girl with long hair, kind of like head tilted down, staring at him. Yeah. Uh, that that idea. Yeah. yeah freaks me out it yeah. freaks me out and, and, and it, it drives me nuts that it freaks me out because it's just a girl like like a little girl with long greasy dirty hair mm-hmm. and it freaks me out every time wow yeah that that is creepy <laughs> <laughs> samara from the ring <laughs> yeah. i just interviewed got viewed a guy this morning i just interviewed a guy this morning who uh had a similar type experience uh it, it was more a dream in his head uh, he was telling different stories, and he told me told me this one dream that he was having, but it was a recurring dream over a couple of weeks period of time, and it's the same thing. And it was like that kind of character 
chasing him while it was running across the top of a fence. Like it was running on a fence. And it's just like the idea of it just freaks me out. What is it? What is it, Tony? I'm not sure what you're talking about. Uh, You know, the, the movie, The Ring? No, never saw it. Okay, well, there's a character in that movie, the, the demon girl character. It's it's just that typical, and it's 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 depicted in several different types of movies and Hollywood stuff, where it's like a girl in a white gown, long black hair down her back, hairs hanging over her face, and usually like she's dripping wet every time you see her, and she's standing alone in a hallway staring oh, at you. Oh yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking I, about now. Yeah, that I can't take it. Like it, it drives me nuts. And now that I've verbalized it, I guarantee you I'm gonna have something happen in my house one day. <laughs> you fed it to the universe, look out. <laughs> Speaking of uh paranormal, you know what really uh the one thing that really bothers me in the paranormal world is some of these older videos where someone's being possessed and it's not like the possession where it's obviously a fake where there's actual physical transformations. Um, there was one, gosh, I have to see if I can't find it, um, where someone's actually, I mean, this guy is possessed by something. Do you ever get any of those type of stories, Brent or Tony or Don? Do you guys ever come across where someone was possessed? I mean, that would be a great interview. What did it feel like being possessed? What, you know, what led up to it? Have you guys ever talked to anyone who's actually been possessed? I haven't had anybody come forward on the portal yet yeah, uh, no. with that. And, you know, so I, I would love to understand more about that too, but no, we haven't had that. Have you, Tony? Yeah. A lot. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've, I've talked to a lot of people who have had that, those situations happen in their lives. I just, again, I just talked to another person today who, uh, she, when she was a little girl, uh, she, Falling short of being possessed, she said that um, if she was going to try to understand what a possession felt like while it was happening, she's like, what I experienced was that. Uh, she she was very hesitant to say she was possessed. And even another guy that I talked – I talked to several people today. Uh, another guy I talked to today was the same guy with the dream with the woman cr- running across the fence. He was describing things happening to him throughout his entire life. And I asked him, I said, you know, and the one time something had happened, you know, that situation, I said, it sounds like it's a possession. And he's like, um, I don't like calling it that. <laughs> I was like, well, I guess I can understand that. But it, that's pretty much what it was. And uh, I, I've had lots of people um, contacting me saying that they've had demonic entities uh, either possessing them. They had to go through an exorcism or they've seen an exorcism. Uh, the girl I was talking to today, she was at her fiance's house and uh, the first time this happened, there she's in, in her, his room, and she hears his brother yelling out in the living room. I think it was her, her brother's fiance's house. But he was going crazy, and she, her, her fiance's like, don't go out there. And she's like, all right. So she stays in the room. Now, she's pregnant at the time, and she really had to pee. And if anybody's been around a pregnant lady, it's very sudden. Um, and so she had to go, and so she went out. And when she looked down the hallway, uh, she sees her fiance's brother being i guess prayed for by several people and he is yelling and kind of flipping out and he turns his head and looks at her and his eyes are completely black and uh it scared her so bad she ran back into the bedroom the fiance's sister also had something happen to her just like that when she was younger and then one day she's at, at home and she's sleeping. They're both sleeping. And uh, her, I think she said her fiance fell out of bed or something like that. And she leans over and she's like, Eric, what's wrong? Are you okay? 
and he's just like, Eric's not here now. And, uh, oh. and again, some kind of like deep, low demonic voice. And she's like, Eric, stop. And he's like, you should go. And uh, she ran out, called uh, the family, and the family came over uh, with, I guess, their priests and stuff, and they performed an exorcism on on him right there. And, uh, you know, he was yelling and screaming. And uh, while that was going on, somebody else had come over to her and was praying for her and put their hand on the belly, praying for the baby inside and stuff. Because, I mean, it's, sure. it's something that you got to worry about. But there's been a lot of different reports of these things happening to lots of people. And I have lots of interviews. I'm sure I probably haven't even aired yet that talk about, you know, such things happening to them. I, I know there's one guy, this is much, this is a much a demonic possession, but, uh, if anybody's heard of incubus and succubus, oh, sure. uh, I have a guy who's going to be coming up here probably in the next couple of months. And, uh, he, he had a, um, a succubus coming on to him and uh, it's several times, and I, I can't remember exactly clearly, if, but I think during the interview we were going over the details and stuff, and I kind of helped him understand the difference between incubus, succubus, and all that stuff, and I sent him images and, and different things to look at, and he's like, that's what I experienced. And uh, then there's a guy, uh, I think his name's Bob Larson, and uh, I, I played some of his audio on my show probably about six months ago, eight months ago. And uh, he had a radio show, and he where he's a Christian guy, and he is doing a Christian radio program. And somebody calls in uh, just to talk to him, that, a very distressed person. And as the guy's talking, you hear uh, another voice come through the line, and it's like uh, the guy was possessed, and like this demonic entity was coming through the line. And I believe, if I remember correctly, uh, a couple times you heard the the guy talking in his normal voice, and as he's talking, this other voice comes through at the same time. So it's like two voices at one time coming through the line, and uh, that was a very intense uh, phone call that he, that he had. And I played it on my show, and I got a lot of people saying that freaked him out. And then there's some people that say, "Oh, that's not real. It's fake. It's a hoax. Whatever." Sure. Yeah. I, you know, I'm not gonna. I, I I can't go into it thinking I'm gonna please everybody, right? Yeah, I mean, it doesn't matter what you do on, on any of these shows. There's, there's always going to be somebody. Oh right. no, that's BS. And that's that's, baloney. that's me because you oh. know, I mean, even yeah, but no, you're not re- disrespectful about. Well, it. no, I'm not disrespectful about it. But like today, I'm like going through Facebook and I'm like, okay, somebody asked a question to like an empath, you know, uh, Facebook group that I'm a member of, and they said, when I was possessed, I'm like, no, you weren't. <laughs> no, you weren't. <laughs> Because here's the thing, what I what I think would happen is that if you were possessed, you probably would not remember much of it. Now, I may be off base. I don't know. I may be wrong. I've never, personally, I don't think I've ever been possessed. Maybe I have been. Who knows? But, you know, my point is this, is first of all, I look, I ask them, you know, what, what kind of, you know, mental issues are in your family? What kind of medications are you on? You know, things like that, because I want to get that stuff out of the way. And then I want to ask them, how do you remember this? You know, how do you remember a demon possessing you when a demon possession is supposed to just like push you away and take over your consciousness? How do you remember anything? Now, if they say, oh, I had hypnotic regression or something like that. Well, then, you know, okay, whatever. But I mean, I and and a lot of we have a friend named Paisley and she has a show about paganism and things like that. And, uh, you know, she was just talking about I, I was on I kind of, you know, got in on the last part of her show last night. Um, and we were talking about that a little bit about, you know, she has people in some of her amino groups and some of her Facebook groups that are saying these things like I was possessed and this is what happened and blah, 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 blah. And the people in her, her amino groups, they're like, no, you weren't. No, you weren't. 
You know, that's not true. You're, you know, I, I have to question, and this is me. I'm not saying, you know, you know, anybody should be like me. <laughs> just don't do it. Um, but I, I just can't believe if you don't have some reason that you remember it specifically, I can't believe it. I, I got to say it's, you know, if I experienced it, then it'd be a little different. You know, if I experienced, if I was there when the person was, or I experienced it, whatever, then it'd be more of a reality to me. But I think that's one of those grain of salt kind of things. I mean, like a giant grain of salt, like the whole sea of salt, you know, looking at it. So there, you yeah. there you go. Well, one thing that occurs to me, and, and, and I firmly believe this, and I think that, I think the word demon gets really dropped way too freely and easily, like, um, some people use it almost like a status, like, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and paranormal investigators, uh, like to say, well, we, you know, we, we, we dealt with a, a demon down at the Larson house. It's like, I don't really believe that in most cases, a lot of these people have ever bumped into a demon. I don't think that these things are quite as omnipresent as people would like to, would like to, you know, suggest. Um, but you know, I think people use that term because it sounds sensational and, and there seems to be this real, um, movement in the paranormal communities mm-hmm. to, uh, you know, basically, uh, you know, compare their feats. And, and so people drop the name demon all the time, but they're, you know, just because something scares you and you don't quite understand it doesn't mean it's a demon. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I think that many people just mis misrepresent, uh, demonic hauntings and demonic, uh, situations. Um, there's also plenty of, uh, uh, of instances of, uh, perhaps, well, believed incident instances, I gotta say, but uh, where, where there's a lot of people that believe that uh, some people that used to live in a body um, feel like maybe they're cheated out and have tried to um, walk in to other people, and uh, and so it is kind of a possession, but it's certainly not a demonic kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so I, I don't know if many people really understand what a what a demonic possession really is. Well, and yeah. and how would you articulate it though? A true demonic. Possession. I, I I tend to agree with you, and I've been accused of that too before. And it's like, well, I don't know how else to articulate. You know, like someone sure. running into a dog man, and his eyes are glowing red, and it, it's this weird entity. And so, I tend to say demon or demonic. Or um, I understand what you're you're talking about something separate. But how would you define for everyone what a true demonic possession would be, or a true demonic activity? I think in most cases, honestly, what I believe, and and maybe I'm way out on left field on this, but I think in most cases, people won't know they're dealing with a demon until it's way late Mm -hmm. in the game. Demons don't want to broadcast their presence because they truly want to destroy and take over that person and their, the life of that person. So they don't want to sit around and um, flash a billboard like, Hey, demon here, I'm moving in. Um, They, they are subtle. They are, they are, it's a, a, a war of attrition. Like people that are dealing with true demonic presences, I believe don't really understand what's going on to, with them. They just suddenly have these weird moods and weird thoughts, and they feel like there's a darkness around them, like they just can't see the sun anymore. Um, the feeling of hopelessness, which would be the demonic oppression, which uh, eventually will work into uh, possession. But, um, you know, a lot of times the demon doesn't want you to know it's there because by virtue of it doing what it's trying to do, if you know, then you can get rid of it. 
And so I believe that they are incredibly subtle, incredibly cunning and precise. And uh, when you do know that you've got one, it's so late in the game that it's going to take a a whole lot to get rid of it. It's not just a matter of Mm -hmm. walking through the house with Sage and and thinking happy thoughts, you know. Um, It's going to take a a real uh, spiritual act with probably a lot of other people helping out. Um, A lot of times in true demonic uh, situations, people report uh, smelling the sulfur smells, the you know the real foul, uh, sulfuric type smells, um, and they attribute that, of course, to the correlation of hell. Um, whether that is or not, I don't know, and I don't pretend to know. But I think that when we're truly in the presence of evil, we have like a sixth sense about that. Like we know beyond a doubt that something is really, really evil. But I think in, in demons' cases, they are cunning. They are powerful. Um, you know, just because your cereal bowl moves doesn't mean, oh, God, I got a demon because that scared me and that can't be good, you know. Um, so that's just kind of kind of my two cents on it. Uh, I'm, I'm certainly not a demonologist, so I don't mean to speak out of turn too much, but it just seems to me that, that these things get overused. And I think that if there truly is a demon there, it doesn't want you to know until mm-hmm. it's already executed what it wants to do. And I'm curious to know what Tony thinks on this, but so would you define poltergeist activity as demonic activity? No, no, I wouldn't. Uh, and, and there's a there's a belief that uh, in many cases poltergeist activity is m- very possibly a manifestation of the living. Um, and it, and on, quite honestly, most poltergeist cases are centered around prepubescent or pubescent girls, and so it seems to have something to do with them coming into their you know into womanhood um, and along with other issues obviously you have to start off being a, an incredibly spiritually gifted person but coming into the you know the womanhood and uh there there can sometimes be a, a separation and a projection it's a, it's nearly psychological you know so for me poltergeists are are an entirely different thing what's your take on it tony i know you're a christian you go to church i go to church i'm a christian you don't know me you're not god christian <laughs> <laughs> i go to church yeah i get that from uh South, South Park, Park, yeah, where he's uh, gingers, gingers have souls. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I think there's a lot of questions about all this kind of stuff we t- we're talking about. That uh, it's it's a lot of you know our opinions on things and our, and pe- people's personal experiences. Is why I value our types of shows so much. Um, as far as poltergeist activity goes, Brent, you you had a what you said there about the young girls having the experiences, tending, tending to have the experiences, it goes along with one of the ladies I just talked to today, really. Uh, I keep saying that, but it's fresh in my mind. Uh, when she was a young girl, she, she was playing with a Ouija board. After that experience, uh, she started having poltergeist activity happening in her home. Now, she, just, she didn't talk about it a whole lot. It really wasn't the main part of her story, believe it or not. But uh, it was right around that age that you, that you described as young girls having that activity. I think when it comes to the spiritual realm and all these um, these oddities that you know we're bringing to the forefront, uh, that you know whether you're a secularist, a Christian, or a Hindu, or whatever you are, uh, if you're mainstream, tend, tend not to want to talk about these types of things. I think there's a lot of questions involved. I don't think that it's one simple answer for everything. Like uh, Brent and Don were saying about how not everything is a demon, and I, I firmly agree with that. I don't think everything is a demon. Uh, I don't know what everything is, and I don't have a full understanding as to how it all works. And I don't think I'll ever really truly have a full understanding of how it all works because it's not really within our our realm of understanding. 
you bring up the the Christian aspect of things, Wes. One of the things that you know really like this sh- my show really helped me uh, learn a lot through people's experiences, and it forces you to look into things that you typically wouldn't look into unless you know you're presented with information you just can't figure out. And uh, early on in the show, talking to people, and with my background, I was, I was raised in a Christian home and uh, all that fun stuff. And I, I, was, I was just under the assumption uh, into my adulthood that, you know, if there's something spiritual going on, like, you know, it, it's a demon. Uh, if somebody's talking to a dead person, it's a demon. Uh, that's kind of how I, I was always just kind of taught to approach things. Uh, but even in the Bible, it, it's just not true. It's just not true, and it upsets people to hear somebody say that. And they're like, "Oh, you say you're a Christian? I am a Christian." And you know, if you read in the Bible, there are certain accounts where there are um, talking with the other side. Now, I, I would I would say that I just hit my mic. Sorry about that. I, I would say that in the Bible, throughout the Old Testament and New Testament, God forbids it. Okay, and to start with that, uh, it's a very common thing amongst uh, uh, the Christian circles, at least. I don't know about other religions, but uh, that either a lot of times people don't don't believe that it's even possible to communicate with a dead person. If they believe, if they do believe that you're communicating with something, uh, more often than not, they're going to push it off as, oh, you're talking to a demon. Uh, But in the Bible, I think it's Second Samuel 18, it's, it's when uh, King Saul uh, goes to the witch of Endor. Now, he outlawed um, necromancy and, and, and summoning of spirits. He outlawed it. And he goes to the witch of Endor undercover, like he's got his hood up and you know, he's just try, dress, trying to dress like an ordinary dude. And he approaches the witch of Endor and he, he re- requests her to contact the dead spirit of the prophet Samuel. Now, Samuel was a prophet uh, of Saul's that had recently died and was a very uh, influential person in Saul's life on, you know, decision-making. And uh, he, he didn't always listen to Samuel, but um, he approaches the witch and asks her to summon the spirit of Samuel. And she's like, I can't, the Saul outlawed it. He'll, he'll kill me if, if I do this. And he reveals himself and he's like, you best be doing it because I'm the king. And she's like, oh, okay. <laughs> and so she, she goes and, and summons the dead spirit of Samuel. And uh, they ask a serious, series of questions. They get answers back. And um, your typical Christian uh, circle, that, that if they're going to teach this on a Sunday morning, um, Sunday school type of thing, they're going to they're gonna say that, you know, she, sum- she summoned a, a, a demon. Uh, but... If you, if you read the Bible for what it says and you don't try to put words in, in the Bible's mouth, uh, the Bible never says that uh, Saul spoke to a demon. It never says that the witch was making things up. It says that Saul had a conversation with the dead spirit of Samuel, the, the, the prophet. Now, the prophet's supposed to be in the presence of God, yet somehow uh, this woman was able to summon the dead spirit of the prophet Samuel, who's supposed to be in the presence of God, and has a conversation with, with Saul and basically tells Saul, yeah, bro, you're about to be dead. And, and, and he did. He died. But um, the, it, it doesn't say anything about the idea of he spoke to a demon or that she was playing games with him. Like, if you read what it says, he had a conversation with Samuel. And therefore, communicating with uh, these spirits and, and summoning of spirits, it's very real. Uh, it's just 
how do you view these things? There are people out there that you know, do these things actively and they don't have a problem with it. it, all de- it it's all dependent on what your philosophies are in life, what your theologies are, what do you subscribe to. Uh, as a Christian, I, I try I try to. I'm very imperfect at it, but I try to you know follow what the Bible tells me to do and try not to do stupid stuff. And so I stay away from it because I believe it's very real. I believe it's very possible. Uh, but I've been instructed not to do it, and I I don't know what's going to happen if I do it. So I'm scared. I'm scared. All right. So I don't do it. <laughs> but uh, that's you know I don't even know what the question was. I just went off on a rampage. So Wes, I hand it off to you. <laughs> Yeah, I hear you. No, you know, not to go too much off to the Bible, I was reading, uh, it's interesting, the Book of Enoch goes into demons and where demons come from. Um, I don't know if Brent or Don, you guys have ever read that in the Book of Enoch, but it goes into where they come from and how they got here and what they are, and it's just fascinating. I was telling Tony we should do a show, it'd be cool to do a Bible show, but do it from a different perspective. Um, not like a Sunday morning sit in church type of uh, I was telling Tony like the in the book of Jasper where they go into uh, how Esau killed Nimrod and why he killed Nimrod and just a lot of cool things I know it's way off topic sorry guys <laughs> yeah no I, I want to correct one thing it's First Samuel 28 uh, I said Second Samuel 18 but it's First Samuel 28 if anybody wants to read it go ahead uh, and read it. It, it as far as I can read and see He's talking to Samuel, baby. Yeah, it is an interesting account. You're right. You know, going back to what Don was saying about when you read stuff online, you're like, oh, come on. You know, one thing that's really irritating me in the Bigfoot world right now is all of these people who read encounters. And it's different from what you do, Brent, with your paranormal show. It's like, hey, send me your encounter. I'll narrate it. And they're so a lot. Most of them are so outlandish that they're not real. And that's the part. People send them to me and go, hey, can you contact this guest and get him on the show? And I started contacting some of those people who do narrations. And 99% of them, they tell me they're, they're fake stories. They write, them, they, they write them in their basement and then narrate these stories. Or they'll take an encounter and add a bunch of stuff to it to make it more interesting. And so it's kind of frustrating. You know, when you have someone on the show and they're telling an encounter... You know, and no one's getting raped by a Bigfoot. They're like, this is boring. Well, a lot of the other stuff you're reading online isn't real. And what drives me nuts is a lot of them are Bigfoot researchers. They're like, I'm going to narrate this story. And then when you talk to them off the air, they're like, no, it's a fake story. I made it up. It just drives me nuts. Do you guys have anything like that in the paranormal world? It seems like the paranormal world and the UFO world seems somewhat more sane than the Bigfoot world. I know you got a small taste of that recently. Uh, Brent with your show but it, it seems like those other genres are more more sane as far as the people involved what do you guys think well you know I mean the the other part of it is is, is there seems to be definable characteristics to you know essentially to what Bigfoot is um, the other the other uh, areas like like ghosts and UFOs, it's just kind of everything goes. So, I mean, it's really hard to say, no, this is fake. This isn't fake. Um, but with Bigfoot, I mean, there seems to be uh, at least a general idea of what this is. And, and I don't know. I, 
I don't know that everything I'm reading on the show is real, and I say that openly. I'm like, you know, I'm I'm finding what material I can. Uh, I can't validate that, that it's real. But that's a not- sep- that's a separate issue than you writing the stories and reading oh, them. Yeah. You know, oh, and that it's a completely. And I don't want to compare what you're doing to what I just said because it's apples and oranges. You know what I mean? I didn't mean cut you off. No, no, that's cool. Because, but I, I would say that. You know, there was a time uh, during during the early phases of the show, I was mm-hmm. like, how did these other shows do it? Mm-hmm. Why, what am I doing wrong? Because they would have tons and tons of stories, and, and their, their audience wouldn't be much bigger than mine. And I was like, well, what's going on? What am I not doing? And then it occurred to me as I started paying attention to what they were doing, and, and it was like, God, can that be real? That seems so different from anything I've ever heard. And I, and I think that that's horrible because – there are a lot of people that really, you know, really believe in this stuff. They're really trying to understand it. They're trying to learn. And in many cases, a lot of people have had experiences. And so they come to the paranormal shows and the Bigfoot shows to try to understand what's going on because whatever they saw just tore their, turned their life upside down. And, and it really bothers me that people would be fabricating stories and sensationalizing those mm-hmm. things because I think for a lot of people these shows can be really cathartic and, and help them come to terms with something they've been through or there's other people that are just really honestly curious and want to understand the phenomena but if they're getting a bunch of garbage you know I think right. that's incredibly irresponsible yeah. but it doesn't surprise me well you know and also you know you look at you know we you know we as serious serious investigators serious you know researchers you know they they go out and they put the boots on the ground and and things like this and i've said this many times and it happens in the ufo community it happens in the paranormal community it happens in the bigfoot community we are our own worst enemies we are the biggest disinformation set of people my my opinion let me let me voice that because we have such a rift between things like this, people who make up stories and people who are trying to tell what they understand and, and share their knowledge, you know, and the two are butting heads. You know, you've got one person saying, no, that's just BS and we're not going to do that and that's not true. And, and, you know, and the other one's just shaking their head like, well, you know, this is my experience. This is what I've honestly experienced. And so sometimes we're our worst enemies, you know, there, there's division and derision in all aspects of these genres. And we are our own worst enemies when it comes to that kind of stuff. Yeah, I tend to agree. One other question uh, Jack sent me. He said, uh, all these strange cryptids showing up, is there a connection between the Nephilim? And do you guys notice an up peak in strange cryptids? I'm not sure how the Nephilim thing connects. I mean, I can give you my opinion. But is there a connection with an up, he says, up peak in sightings, you know, kind of an uptake in sightings. I'm assuming that's what he means. Uh, what do you think, Tony? The what, just judging by what he wrote, I'm assuming Jack uh, looks into at least at least looks into scriptural writings and not uh, and not is uh, totally, I guess, uh, atheistic on it because uh, if he's giving credibility to the Nephilim, that's straight out of uh, scripture. I think the uptick of these sightings. I think there's a different, a lot of different things going into it. One is technology. Uh, you know, in the last 20 years, since the year, let's just say the year 2000, uh, technology has boomed, uh, faster than we've ever seen before. And I think that's part of the reason why we have such a problem with, you know, trolls online and the way people interact with each other is because this is a brand new form of communication we've never had ever in the human experience. And so I think we're still learning how to utilize that. Uh, but, uh, on the, 
on his question, sorry, I, I, my wires get crossed. Um, in, in the scripture, the Old Testament, or not the Old Testament, New Testament, Revelation, it talks about what's going to happen in the end times and what's coming forward. Uh, and so I, I think that's probably where he's going with it. And uh, that's an opinion-based thing where it's like, well, do you believe that we're getting close to those times that the Bible you know, prophesied about? Uh, as far as uh, the Nephilim aspect of things, I have my own opinions on these cryptids and all that stuff and how they came about. Uh, I, I don't think, I, I guess in general conversation, like if I'm just talking to you, Wes, I, I usually probably do refer to it as like a Nephilim type creature. I, I think that it probably is, there's probably a better way of describing it because I don't think that these creatures are Nephilim. I don't think that Bigfoot's a, Bigfoot is a Nephilim, but I think that Bigfoot might have uh, come from similar origins put it that way. A Nephilim is a, um, is in the Bible, it talks Genesis six, chapter four, it talks about, uh, fallen angels having sex with women and mm-hmm. the offspring were the Nephilim, the giants, uh, the, the mighty men of renown. And, um, it talks about the, and then throughout the entire old Testament, uh, much to the chagrin of many modern day Christians, they don't want to admit this, but throughout the entire old Testament, uh, there are lots of spots throughout the Bible that talks about these giant, uh, people, I think I could go on and on about this, but um, I think that the that those are separate from the cryptids. Mm-hmm. I think that cryptids, though, uh, when you do look at the Book of Enoch, uh, now the first Book of Enoch, the other two, uh, I don't really give too much weight in. I, I mean, I'll, I'll read it, read them and stuff, but the ver- the first Book of Enoch, I I really do believe that Enoch himself wrote that book. And uh, he and I, the way it's written, it's written as if he's describing what's going on around him, like like it's almost like a current events book. Uh, and it, he talks about what Genesis six chapter four, or chapter chapter six verse four talks about. Now in Genesis chapter six verse four, it's very very brief, and a lot of people kind of question some of these things that I'm about to say. But I want to say that in Genesis six chapter four, the author, which we believe is to be Moses, is writing things that he knows, right? Uh, but I, I feel like sometimes the authors are vague on things because the people that he's writing for in that current time, the pe- people around him, already know the information. It's not like he's going to tell you, hey, the sky's blue. Everybody knows the sky's blue. Move on. Get, get on with it. And uh, I, I think that's re- the reason why it's so vague. But when you go into Enoch, he goes into more detail. And I think that's be- the reason why Genesis was so vague is because they had the book of Enoch already. Everybody knew it. And if you read like the New Testament, the writers in the New Testament, they quote Enoch. It shows that the writers of the New Testament actually read things outside of the things they were writing. They actually read books. And uh, one of those books was Enoch. And they quote from it. And I think if the writer of Genesis knew that Enoch, the book, existed and everybody was already well-versed in it, he didn't need to go into great detail. Now, what it says in the book of Enoch is that the fallen angels came, I'm summarizing, but they came and they not only had sex with women, but they wanted to manipulate all of God's creation, animals, plants, everything. And so if you take what they did, what we know they did in Genesis 6, verse 4, and you apply that to corrupting all God's creation, uh, uh, and I think, it's in, I think it's in the first chapter of Enoch, actually, it talks about this, if I remember correctly. Um, it, what do you get when you take a fallen angel doing that with a gorilla? Or a fallen angel doing that with a wolf or something like that. Like, I think that these creatures might be a remnant. Uh, and there's also uh, the idea then that I introduce 
And I'm actually, to be honest with you, I'm, I'm actually putting together a whole talk about this that I'm going to do from time to time. Uh, but I think that the um, when you get people talking about, you know, they had a Bigfoot encounter and uh, it it showed paranormal type activity, right? And uh, and people are like, well, you know, that's impossible because it's a physical creature. Uh, well, if these creatures, if they're remnant, if they, if their ancestors uh, are half half physical and the other half is a spiritual entity that went went astray um maybe they do have paranormal type abilities not every single one just like you know when you have a family of people not every person is is going to be the same height not every person is going to be able to display the same physical talents uh but they they do have similarities because they all come from the same family it makes me wonder if sometimes these creatures uh, some of these creatures display these paranormal type abilities is because they somewhere in their gene pool they got that that gene that was passed down through generations that's just I, like i like i say with everything i don't know but I'm, I'm i'm just thinking out loud and that's what i do i just think out loud and say what you want but that's kind of how i look at things and once again i forget what the question was <laughs> <laughs> you need to slow down on the coffee man <laughs> what do you think brent do you think there's an increase in and you can apply it more than just cryptids but i mean like paranormal activity aliens do you think there's an overall increase going on and and if so why i think there i think it's it's many fold but i think yeah um i think that there are uh there well we we definitely know that people are probably now more than ever more prone to discuss what they've seen um, because of the the social acceptance or or better acceptance uh, within our society to discuss these kind of things because you know years ago you talked about seeing a flying saucer and and uh, you you just became that guy you know I mean you were just kind of ostracized um, and the same thing for Bigfoot or or any you know ghosts and such but. Um, I, I think I think that now it's okay to to have these discussions, or at least there's places for people to have these discussions where there never was before, and that of course can be uh, part of the attri- attribution of an uptick in uh, in reported uh, sightings and, and events. But I, I think you know I, I think that the, it seems like there are more uh, of things like Bigfoot around, and. I, you know, I, I don't know uh, whether it's just more people are coming forward or I've heard theories bounced around about this. And uh, I, some of them seem to make sense to me. And, and one of the things that I heard, and this could probably be a whole different show in itself, but, uh, you know, perhaps when the, the smallpox blankets were given to the First Nations people, uh, there's there's accounts going around uh, in the First Nations of having contact at least to some degree with these beings. And uh, is it possible that small spot, smallpox had spread into cryptid populations? I don't know. But if they have a similar physiology, would they also be decimated by that? And maybe now we're seeing a recovery of sorts. Um, maybe it's just easier for them to survive now. So it's easier to, to have their, their uh, increased population numbers because of their, um, their ability to adapt to our presence and probably uh, in a favorable way, like they don't have to, you know, go scrape tree bark anymore. They can just hit a dumpster or something like that. You know, I, I you know, there's ideas like that around. Um, it's hard to know for sure because unless you've seen it, I, I guess it's hard to hard to say. But those are my ideas on it. I think that that it's just better. It's easier now to have these discussions, and uh, it does seem like there's more of them going on. But I don't know if that's the case or if that's just a perception. 
I know John has a uh, interesting question. He posted it on Facebook. But before we get to that, Don, what do you think? What's your take on that? You know, I think that uh, these. I, I think it's very possible that these things, whether they be paranormal, cryptid, you know, alien. I think it's all viable. Um, I think it's all possible. Um, therefore, I think that a lot of people have had experiences that they just don't know how to come out and talk about. And I agree with Brent on a lot of things when it comes to this. You know, I think it's because, you know, people like, you know, Art Bell and, and, and all these great people that brought it out in the late 80s and early 90s and, and just the evolution of this kind of talk show or podcast or whatever it is. You know, Ted Lohman uh, in Arizona in 1995. Um, you know, just all these people made it possible for us to have an outlet to either talk about our experiences or talk with people who have the, these experiences. So I don't think it's necessarily an uptick in sightings or paranormal activity or alien, you know, abductions. I just think, I like I like Brent said, I think it's just the availability to be heard and say the things that you need to say. And not necessarily be believed, but not become the pariah, you know. I think it's just a lot of um, a growth within uh, uh, society in general. You know, I, now that I listen to you guys share those answers, I realize I don't think I ever actually answered that question. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so I guess what I'll say is uh, I agree with Brent. <laughs> <laughs> okay, tell away. Tony's like, I concur. <laughs> yeah, sometimes I just get going and I, I lose track and my mind goes off on a million different directions. And when I come back t- back around, everybody's just looking at me, you know, like, uh, okay. <laughs> you know? uh, so. I'll just sit in here with puzzled looks on our faces. <laughs> <laughs> It was great. It was good. You know, one of the... uh, No, I think you answered it, Tony. Um, John, he said, I always wondered why people who have had encounters usually have more than one encounter. I would guesstimate 90% of your guests have had one or more... uh, More than one encounter. Whether it be Sasquatch, Dogman, Aliens, etc. Most people have never had an encounter, but the ones who have, have multiple encounters. Why? Great question. Um, I, I I don't know. I'll, I'll just start quick. I don't know why that is. And 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 here's the thing. Now I know I, I know I host a show, and it's a paranormal show. And isn't it really convenient that I can say I've had several paranormal <laughs> occurrences? Honest to God, they're true. Why? I don't know. Um, is it is it maybe that something happened during one of them that just changed my ability to perceive things? I don't know. I've wondered that very same thing. But it's really common um, in, in cases of people seeing UFOs. If they see one, there's a really high percentage chance that they're going to have another, uh, another sighting. And, uh, you know, I, I've heard that, like in things uh, like Sasquatch, I heard Bear talk about it. And he's like, you know, you just have to know how to look. Mm-hmm. Bear is talking about there's, you know, you, you can't look at the trees. you got to look between the trees. And once you learn how to do that... You'll see them everywhere. So maybe that's something that happens in, in Bigfoot accounts is that people just learn how to see them and then suddenly they're not as hidden anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't know, though. That's a great question, but I, I wish I had the answer. Yeah, Brent, I, I, I agree with you, man. Like, I, I, think, I think a lot of it's situational. 
you have to put yourself in this situation, you know. And I think people who are having recurring encounters, uh, they're they're living in a situation where it's it's uh, fruitful to have encounters. Whether they're having them on their property because their property is right in the middle of this Sasquatch territory, or uh, they they really enjoy hiking and camping, and they go out all the time and they have these experiences. Uh, on the paranormal line of things, I have a paranormal show, and I. Have, don't have a whole lot of paranormal experiences. It's one of the things that, that fascinates me about it is I get to hear people's encounter stories and I'm just like, wow, I don't know how you went through it because if I actually had that experience, I wouldn't even do this show. You know, So uh, I think it's, it, it, people are put in, putting themselves in situations to have these types of experiences uh, as, as far as cryptids go. Um, and uh, I, I think that it's a lot to do with it, a, a whole lot. As far as paranormal stuff goes um, – I think it's it, – I, I don't know. I, I think there's a lot of factors that can go into that. I mean uh, are you living in a haunted home? Are, are you a haunted individual? Uh, are there pe- people in your family that are haunted individuals that this kind of goes on? Uh, how many times do you guys hear somebody telling a story and they're like, and this is something that my grandmother went through, my mother went through, all the women on my side of the family go through it. It's, it, it seems like it's a generational thing. And so I think a lot of it, if I, if I don't know if situational is the right word, but I, I, that's the word I'm using. It, it seems situational. Like, are you in a situation that is conducive to these kind of experiences? Right. And, and there is, you know, in terms of uh, like ghosts and stuff, I mean, there's, there, it seems that the more, the more gifted a person is like the, with uh uh, latent or actual uh, realized psychic ability, the more likely they are to have uh, hauntings or, or uh, contact with spirits. And, and there's a belief in that situation where those people act as maybe like a beacon. Um, we've all heard of the stories of the, these spirits that have unfinished business or they just want to tell their story and that kind of creates a closure for them to be able to transition to you know what's next. And uh, so that that of course, if you have a lot of if you have a lot of haunting experiences, there's a chance you might actually have some ability that you're not aware of, and uh, you might want to look into that. Yeah, for an upcoming show, here's a good one. Barry wants to know flying cryptids. Why don't more investigators study these, like the Thunderbird? And to be honest with you, I don't really get a whole lot of those. What have you guys looked into flying cryptids? We've covered them on our show. Um, you know, there's some there's some accounts of flying cryptids that I just can't get my head around. <laughs> when you're, I mean, there's a there's a, a bat squatch apparently. So mm-hmm. it's it's basically a sasquatch, but it's got bat wings and it flies around. Now that's got to be like 1,200 pounds of mm-hmm. of meat, and I don't know how you get that off the ground with bat wings. You know, so I mean, for me, there's a lot of it that I just can't get my head around. Um, and quite honestly, you're right. Those those accounts are really rare, and it's hard to build a whole narrative around uh, very little information yeah i think it's also something just with you know why do you know we don't have a ton of uh marine cryptids you know sightings but the most we have are the ones that are on land why because we're on land we don't fly we don't swim around the ocean all day uh that's a, a very just simple answer but uh it's true you know i mean unless you're breaking your neck all day looking up in the skies hoping to see a dinosaur flying by I mean, really, how many times are we going to come across these things? It's when they land, when they're in a tree, or, you know, when we do see them flying in an open sky. But uh, when we have these cryptid encounters where, like, it's Bigfoot, Dogman, uh, or whatever, uh, you know, we're in the woods. We're hunting. We're fishing. We're camping. We're hiking. We're out there in the woods. Uh, But a large percentage of the population isn't in the ocean all day or in deep diving in in big lakes uh, or, you know, hang gliding off of cliffs. Yeah, Rich wants to know who would who wins a fight between Wes and Tony. 
I'll let, I'll, I'll let Brent and Don answer that because I already know what the answer is for me. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I'm going to just say that, uh, you know, we're all just going to get along. I'd never fight a friend. Plus, no one actually wins a fight. But for the record, I would. Oh, goodness. <laughs> oh, that's true. Maybe that's true. Oh, I don't know. Goodness. <laughs> Did you guys see that mystery orb flying over Kansas City? The National Weather Service said, We honestly have no explanation for the floating objects over Kansas City. I threw it up on uh, SasquatchChronicles.com. Did you get a chance to look at it, Tony? No, I I didn't get a chance to look at it. I mean, I looked at it briefly, but not, you know, in depth. But I I saw that they had some kind of, like, mapping or or something like that. I guess the the path it took or something like that. I'm not sure. But I saw the pictures and, you know... It looks like an orb to me. Uh, it's hard to tell because it's so far away. Yeah, Brent and uh, Don, if you guys get a chance, check it out. It's up on the website. And it's it, I, I don't know if it's a balloon or it's kind of bizarre looking. Um, and you see planes kind, kind of passing by it. Um, it. You know, the orbs that, like what you guys deal with, Brent and uh, Don, you know, people will show pictures or videos of orbs flying around and ghost hauntings and that sort of thing. And I think when you get more into the cryptid world, when we talk about orbs or balls of light, it seems like balls of light, people say orbs. Um, do you guys notice the difference between like a ghostly orb and a ball of light? Yeah, there seems to be a, a pretty, I mean, there's the, there's like three kind of orbs. It seems to me there's the spiritual orb which is about the size of a quarter or 50 cent piece generally. Some people report them as big as a basketball, but uh, I, I think those are really rare. Um, and then there's the, the, the ones that seem to run around the woods and mountains and stuff. And then there seems to be a UFO style of orb as well. And, mm-hmm. and I don't know if they're all interrelated or what, but I, I mean the spirit orbs, of course, you see the photos out there and, and uh, anytime there's a, uh, a lens flare, people are like, oh, there's orbs, yeah. your loved ones are all around you. <laughs> right. It's like, um, you know, I, I do photography as well. And, dust and, in the air. Yeah, it, it can be dust. It can be like, you know, any kind of precipitation in the air if they're outside. Uh, can be, you know, uh, bugs flying. I, you know, there's so many things it can be. And I, I honestly, I've seen very, very, very few um, representations of what people claim are spirit orbs. I would say less than 1% that I would mm-hmm. say actually have a chance um so i now i have seen a spirit orb in real life and like in right in front of my face and it was like this glowing yellow ball but it was about the size of a quarter and it was about two feet in front of my face and uh another time i saw one going along the floor about at knee level um and it didn't look anything like what i saw in those pictures most of the time so i think that a lot of times people really misrepresent uh you know the the lens flares and and light reflections from a flash as an orb. Um, but the spirit ones, or the, the ones in the woodlands, I, th- I think are the ones that really intrigue me the most. Because, and Wes, it was on your show, I think you were talking about these investigators that were out looking for Bigfoot, and they saw this orb, and then it became, it like popped into something else. Um, am I, do, are you, do you remember the show that I'm talking about? No, I can't think of that one. What? what? Uh, it was like there's two guys out there investigating uh, for Bigfoot, and I don't remember the the area they were in, but they were they were up and and looking around, and uh, they they had this this weird light orb appear, and then uh, as they were watching it, they had a flashlight, and uh, it landed on the path in front of them, and it turned it, like uh, suddenly there was like these two little 
I don't know, little imp looking things growling at them or something. Hmm. Maybe, maybe it wasn't your show. I thought for sure I heard it on. Oh, South you're Park. talking about Adam Davies, yeah? When he was out at Matthew Johnson's thing, and he said that red thing opened up and two beings came out. Yeah, Is that yeah, what you're yeah. About? yeah. So I mean, that's, it's really curious. I have Matthew Johnson on your show, Wes. What's that? You should have Matthew Johnson on your show. Yeah, I I interviewed him one time, and he um. Yeah, I interviewed him one time. Long, long time ago. I know. I'm just trying to <laughs> egg you. <laughs> you know, um, I was just, you know, I, I instantly when somebody says you should look something up, I do. And so um, I see this report from the end of June. I don't see any video because my, my laptop's slower than my grandma. But, um, you know, it says uh, social media was ignited by this news. Many of the speculations that an alien invasion was taking place. However, it turns out to be supposedly DARPA and something called Adaptable Lighter Than Air, the ALTA program. And they're supposed to be uh, basically uh, uh, high-altitude, lighter-than-air vehicles. Uh, so, you know, it's it's hard to tell anything because of the disinformation, possible disinformation, um, and, you know, the different aspects of the people seeing it. Now, apparently there was a lot of people that saw it, um, but then you have to get into individual accounts of it. And what I've always found is that no two accounts are alike. I mean, just like when, uh, you know, if you, if you, if you've listened to the show or, you know, you, 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 you know, a little bit about me, I have a background as well. And as in corrections. And so, you know, you talk to one person and they've got a great story. You talk to another person, the story's totally different, but they were standing right next to each other. They had the same experience. So, who knows what the heck it was? Um, Don, are but, you talking about that Kansas City? The or- yeah, Kansas City. Yeah, thing, yeah. I saw that so, too. Yeah, and somebody, as a matter of fact, somebody at work mentioned it to me the other day, and they're they're pretty heavy into the conspiracy um, community, and so you know it was being put to me that yeah, these are being pushed around by Next Rad Radar, and and it's you know it's got everything to do with geoengineering and blah 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 blah. So. You know, I would rather look at it and say, you know what, it was an alien invasion. But there's, you know, just no proof of that. So it's just me being the skeptical. Just being Debbie Downer. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's that's like that. Donnie Downer, by the way. <laughs> it's much beard for a Debbie. Mm. Uh, you know, it's, I'm looking at that, too, and it's like uh, they talk about these DARPA's lighter than air vehicles. Then, mm-hmm. whoa! You mean a balloon? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, what the called, hell? It's, it's called a blimp. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like they don't just get to reinvent something just because they made a balloon. <laughs> I was wondering where all the helium's been going lately. <laughs> well, I'll tell you. I mean, the UFOs that are you know popping up in the news now and stuff is an intriguing thing, though. Uh, the fact that uh, Don and uh, Brent or Brent and Don, however you say it. Uh, I I was on your show the other day and we were talking about this, but I mean, I don't remember a time in my lifetime that UFOs have been talked about this much mm-hmm. in mainstream media to the point that I have people in my everyday life that think I'm a goofball for doing the things that I do talking to me and say, hey, did you see the news last night? They're talking about UFOs, and they're talking about the military knows about. It. I'm like, I know this already. Move <laughs> on to the next subject. Like this is, and that this is the problem that we're in. And oh, here we go again. I'm sorry if my wires getting crossed, but w- the 
we're in a problem right now where we're so focused on certain things in mainstream media, we're being brainwashed by certain things in mainstream media, we have blinders on and we don't look around to see what else is going on. The news that the Pentagon was investigating UFOs dropped in 2007. That's two years ago. And we're just talking about it now because two years ago, we were still a mess of a country because of the elections. And so, like, people are, this is all new to them. But the fact is, Yes, the government has been investigating it. And yes, they changed the way that they approach UFO sightings by the people who are serving in the military so they can feel free to come forward and share what they saw. And they're, they're now videos are coming up like the Tic Tac UFO. Uh, the reason why they call it Tic Tac is because it actually looks like a Tic Tac. Uh, one of the interesting things about that, and I think Bob Lazar brought it up on his interview with uh, Joe Rogan, but the way it moves in the video, it lifts up and it goes vertical in the video, and he said that's exactly what it would do according to the technology that he worked on. And I think it was what S4, right? It wasn't Area 51, it was like a subcategory, which was S4, I believe, is where he was actually working on these uh, technologies. Right. But uh, th- this stuff is popping up all over the news. I think it's something to really take serious, and everybody's you know all caught up in. Uh, how it's being presented, and and they're upset on the, the the so-called disclosure that's going on now, and it's not what they were expecting because it, it, they want they want what they want is aliens to drop down from the sky on the on the front lawn of the White House and be like, we're here, like it or not, deal with it. But that's not how this is going, right? And so you know we're we're they're gently talking about it into the news, and uh, it's it's. What we need to do, though, is we need to stop and look at this and say, what else is real? Uh-huh. Now, uh-huh. And, and for us, we do that all the time. But the people who are living their everyday lives, going about things, not thinking about this stuff and thinking Bigfoot's fake. Oh, that's a fake. That, that Everything's fake. UFOs, aliens, demons. Everything's fake. Well, as this disclosure happens and we progress more and more to it, because I really do believe it's going to get deeper and deeper as time goes on now. We have they not we they have to stop and think and say okay, what what if what if ten, within the next ten years the government all the world governments come out and say yes, aliens are real. We have confirmed that these UFOs are are manned by extraterrestrials, and that comes out. All the people who were naysayers to these kind of ideas they have to stop and think what else is real, mm-hmm. and I think that 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 might have a domino effect for a lot of other categories outside of the ufo phenomenon i hope so (laughs) (laughs) i really do but you know the other thing is 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 how hard i mean if you look at some of the explanations for for some of the stuff that goes around i mean some of the the attempts at debunking it are more more fantastic than just saying well it's a ghost i mean it can just they can come up with these just fantastical narratives of stupidity to try to still remain in their paradigm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's like people defend their paradigm just yeah. death. with tooth and nail. Yeah. They just don't want to give it up because, I mean, and, and, and I understand it. They want that comfort. They want to know what the world is. And when they don't know, suddenly it's scary again, and they don't like that. Um, but I hope so. I really do. I'll, I'll tell you a quick story. Uh, a guy at work, uh, you know, he always ragging on me about the Bigfoot thing. And, uh, he, he said to me one day, it was something like, you know, I can't believe you believe in Bigfoot. And I, and I looked at him and I was like, yeah, you know, it is what it is. And I said, uh, do you, now he's, he's a Christian. He, he, you know, all that stuff goes to church. And uh, he, I, he, I said, to him, well, you believe in UFOs, right? I mean, everybody sees UFOs. You can see them online. Everything's like, nope. 
Like, you don't believe in UFOs? Nope. I said, okay, so I guess aliens are out of the question, right? Yep, aliens are out of the question. Uh, I said to him, well, I mean, uh, you, you believe in God, right? Absolutely, I believe in God. I said, oh, and you believe in demons, right? And he's like, nope, don't believe in demons. I'm like, you don't believe in demons? And he said, nope. And I said, so the only thing you believe that is there, there's a God, but there's nothing else, and not even the, the arch enemy of God, right? Nope. Okay. Wow. Oh. That's that's cherry picking your 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 ideology right, right. there. Yeah, that sounds pretty good. I only believe in leprechauns. That's all I believe in. Right. <laughs> only because I can get a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> people like that crack me up. <laughs> that's awesome. Wow, that's craziness. Thanks, guys, for coming on. It was fun chatting with you guys. Tony Merkel, The Confessionals, every Tuesday. He's got a show on uh, iTunes and uh, all your other podcast players. Definitely check out theconfessionals.com or theconfessionalspodcast.com. And then uh, Brent and Don, you guys got your show. Check out the Paranormal Portal on YouTube. And it's on every night, 7 o'clock Pacific Standard Time. They do it live. You guys, I'm surprised you guys haven't burned out yet. And then you guys do a podcast three days a week, uh, The Paranormal Portal. Check it out on your podcast player. Anything else you guys want me to add to that? No, that was beautiful. Thanks. Thanks for having us on. We really enjoyed it. Absolutely, yeah. Cool. Thanks for coming on, guys. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. Her name was Leia. She was a princess with a Danish on each ear. Darth Vader drawing near, so R2-D2 found Ben Kenobi. Obi-Wan. He'd have to put the Death Star plans into the Rebellion's hands. So Luke and Obi-Wan had to get to Alderaan. So they stopped into Mos Eisley to have a drink with Han at the Star Wars. Star Wars Cantina. The weirdest creatures you've ever seen. At the Star Wars. Star Wars. His name was Solo. Han Solo. He was a pilot with a blaster at his side and a smile 12 parsecs wide there with Chewbacca. He was a Wookiee. They met with Luke and Obi-Wan about the Millennium Falcon docking bay 94. 94. Stormtroopers at the door with a flash of Ben's lightsaber. Now there's an arm on the floor at the Star Wars. You've ever seen a at the Star Wars, Star Wars Cantina. Music and blasters and old Jedi masters at the Star Wars. Moss Eisley Space Corps. You will never find the more wretched hive of scum and villainy. You must be cautious. His name was Yoda. He was a Muppet. Darth Vader was so bad, and by the way, he's Luke's dad. Luke kissed his sister. His hand got cut off. In that galaxy far, far away, Luke has had a lousy day. Boba Fett was so mean. Jabba had bad hygiene. Why didn't they all just relax back on Tatooine at the Star Wars? Star Wars Cantina. The weirdest creatures you've ever seen.
will be with you. Always.